Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. My name is Lucia Benavides, and today we're talking about the history of social housing in Barcelona. The Catalan capital has one of the lowest subsidy rates for public housing in all of Europe. Only 1.7% of rental properties are designated for social housing. And it's not much higher in Spain as a whole, where the number is at 2%. That's compared to the European average of 18%. And this has been the case for decades. On today's episode, we're going to look back at one of the first social housing projects in Barcelona, the Casas Baratas of the Bon Pastor neighborhood, and talk to grassroots activists from the Platform for Mortgage Victims to understand the situation today. Here to shed light on the topic are reporters Lea Belayeva. Hi, Lea. Hi. And Lorcan Daugherty. Hi, Lucia. So can one of y'all tell me when Barcelona got its first housing project? What was the social situation like at the time? Well, we have to go back over 100 years. The first housing law was passed in 1911. It was called the Ley de las Casas Baratas, which I guess literally means the law of the cheap houses. Which yeah. doesn't sound great in English. Pretty but straightforward. That's, that's what it's called. Uh, in 1927, the Barcelona Housing Board was set up to implement this law and, cre and create new affordable housing. Uh, the Bon Pastor project, which we're going to be hearing uh, plenty about today, uh, this was part of a larger project in different parts uh, of the city, generally around the outskirts of the city, not, not really in central areas. One was going to be set up in uh, Zona Franca, two on the banks of the River Bezos, one of which is uh, Bon Pastor, which was the biggest one, and one at the foot of the Turo de la Peira in No Barris. Yeah, so actually, if you guys have heard one of the podcasts that Lorcan did about shanty towns, you will know that the situation back then was pretty grim, right? Yeah, Barcelona was growing because of the influx of immigrants, primarily coming from the south of Spain, the Andalusia region. And, um, and these immigrants, they were coming in search of work opportunities, such as expanding the metro or also the 1929 Universal Exposition held in Barcelona. Many of these people, they lived in shanty towns because they had nowhere else to go. And because some of them were located on Montjuic next to where the Universal Exposition was to take place, local authorities were eager to get them out of there and find a solution. And one solution was to build 781 single-story houses in Bon Pastor. I see. Okay. And I think it's also important to keep in mind the context of when these houses were built because this was the beginning of the 20th century. And actually, the neighborhood of Eschampla was built in the mid-19th century and finished in the early 20th century, so around the same uh, time period. So you would think, okay, there are more houses available, there are more apartments, so there should be more affordable housing as well. But that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case at all. So in the new developments in El Eixample, the prices on land had increased and the rental properties ended up being built for the more affluent part of the population, and which meant that the working class or poor people were pushed even further out of the city center to the, the second outlying districts, closer to the mountains, to the river, 
um, everywhere where plots were cheap because there were no or little infrastructure such as paved roads, sewage systems, water, or electricity. Right. So literally marginalized. Exactly. <laughs> in the margins of the city. Yeah, Lucia, you mentioned that podcast that we re- recorded a few months back and like li- literally built shanty towns on the beach. Like that was wow. like, you know, kind of. I don't know, never well, seen Barcelona. On Barcelona yeah. beach, wow. Summer Rostro. Wow. And if you like just comparing in the 1930s when these first project for uh, for social housing for Casas Baratas, uh, when they were being built, around 2% of housing in Barcelona then was social housing. Even at that time, so back in the 1930s, uh, in other European cities, the number was already around 10% or even 20% in some cases. Wow. So where other European cities, the percentage grew or increased to maybe the average of 18% in Barcelona has stayed the same. It, all these it years stayed. later, it's, yeah, pretty much. A hundred years later, we're still at around 1% to 2% of, of social housing. And so going back to the um, Casas Baratas at Bon Pastor, I I know nobody lives there anymore. Um, some of the houses were recently restored and turned into a history museum that opened this year. Um, and Leah, you went to visit that museum. Can you tell me what you found? Yeah. So one thing uh, that is, I think, important to note uh, when we talk about uh, this uh, this museum of Las Casas Baratas is that it was uh, created in collaboration between uh, neighborhood groups in Bon Pastor and the neighbors themselves. So the residents, they actually felt comfortable about leaving. It wasn't uh, a question of being kicked out. Okay. And, uh, and they were also the driving force behind restoring the houses in order to keep the history of, of social housing in Barcelona and, and creating this museum. Let's hear what you found when you were there. Barcelona's social housing shortage is nothing new. Around 100 years ago, at the turn of the 20th century, the city was in desperate need of affordable housing. Three new Spanish laws were passed to create government-subsidized housing, or casas baratas. One of them was in the neighborhood Bon Pastor, in the San Andreu district, which was rural at the time. Juan Roca is the director of the Barcelona History Museum, or the MUHPA. Well, Casas Baratas del Bon Pastor is one of the first uh, housing states, public housing states of Barcelona, uh, built in the 1920s and opened in the 1929. Uh, especially to absorb the informal housing that uh, was growing all over the city. People were living in shanty towns across the city in places like Montjuic, Barceloneta, Carmel, Diagonal, dozens of people crammed into makeshift shacks. In 1929, the first families moved into the Bon Pastor houses and stayed there through the Civil War, the Franco dictatorship, and the transition to democracy in the 1980s. But because of its proximity to the Besos River in the northern part of Barcelona, over the years many of the houses got in bad shape and were often plagued with humidity. In 2010, a rehabilitation process started, resulting in many of the old cheap houses being torn down and making way for newly constructed apartment buildings, also subsidized by the government. The remodeled Bon Pastor houses, on the other hand, were turned into a museum, which opened this year after a long collaboration between residents and the Barcelona History Museum, MOPA. Joan Roca explains. To change the Casas Bratas for new building, but to preserve some of them. 
as a place of history of the quarter and of Barcelona as a whole. The museum, which is made up of an entire block of Casas Baratas, totaling in 16 houses, consists of two exhibitions. One that tells the history of social housing in Barcelona, Catalonia and Europe as a whole from 1860 to 2010, and another that gives the visitor a look into how residents of Las Casas Baratas lived back then. And you have the reconstruction of the houses with authentic furniture, uh, images and uh, everything. Juan Roca says the reconstruction of the houses was done with great archaeological care and respect in order to preserve the historic memory of the neighborhood. Former residents have helped this process by donating personal belongings to the museum, including furniture, pictures and oral testimonies about their lives there, which are projected in the museum. Thank you to Juan Roca for speaking with us. So fast forward to today, government subsidized housing is just as needed as it was 100 years ago. As we mentioned earlier, the percentage of affordable housing in Barcelona has stayed the same over this entire time, despite having more apartment buildings than ever before because we had a construction boom in the early 2000s. So can you all give me more details into understanding the situation in Barcelona today? Well, I can give you a few stats. Well, looking at Spain overall, uh, half of all tenants are at risk of poverty, which is the highest percentage in all of Europe. Wow. Specifically in Barcelona, average rent is 1,123 euro a month. That's the latest figures we have from the second quarter of 2023. It's a new record. And... How does that compare with, uh, yeah, with the average salary? Well, yeah, uh, the ab the monthly minimum wage is okay. one thousand and eighty euros here, wow. so less than an apartment. Exactly. So the average wow. rent is more than the the monthly minimum wage. Right. Okay. And what are authorities doing about this? I mean, this is a big problem. There's kind of a threefold approach. Uh, both, if you look at what government policy is, and as well, for example, Barcelona City Council. And they're trying to increase the number of public housing units by building more, by purchasing uh, flats that already exist, and also by acquiring um, properties that might be empty or, or you know, there's some mechanisms, some legal mechanisms where they can actually acquire properties uh, for free as well. Um, so Barcelona has spent, it reckons, uh, in the region of 1 billion euro uh, in investment in housing in that period that we mentioned from 2015 to 2023. The Catalan government, if you hear the territory minister, Esther Capella, uh, speaking about housing, she always mentions Sareb, which is the so-called bad bank uh, created in Spain after the financial crisis in 2008. Uh, this was created in, in 2012. And uh, basically, they they own uh, a lot of flats across Spain. And the Catalan government is constantly demanding that more properties are transferred from Sareb to government control so that, that they're able to use these for public housing. And the argument they made is, well, we've already bailed out the banks. We shouldn't have to pay for these again. They should right. just be transferred free of charge and put as social housing stock. And how's that negotiation going? Well, in terms of the social housing across Spain from Sareb, that has gone into you know uh, 
public uh, usage. Uh, actually, over half of it is in Catalonia. So I, I suppose you could say the Catalan government are doing a, a good job. But as I say, they're, they're still demanding more. There's also a scheme as well called the Vienna Project from okay. Sarah president Javier Torres has described this as his land which is ceded to a private developer for 80 years and that involves more than 3,000 social homes for rent being built in Spain and they reckon around 600 to 800 of them are going to be in Catalonia. Okay, great. So things are happening but again the process is a bit slow and it's still not enough to it's still not enough to meet the needs of people living here who cannot afford to pay rent sometimes. Exactly. I mean, one interesting aspect of that Vienna project I mentioned is that 100% of the homes are going to be for rent. Because, you know, when, when you think about public housing, I generally think of homes to rent. But actually, in Spain, historically, a lot of time it's been allowing people to buy homes at okay. affordable prices. Okay. Um, yeah. But there's kind of been a change in mentality recently as well, which is something that activists have been a- asking for. So the change in mentality is going from buying to renting. Yeah, because essentially, if the house is rented, if it's a you know social housing and it's rented, then um, you know if the tenant moves on or passes away, then that still is public housing that then can be right. used to house another family it afterwards. Maintains. That's the that's the general yeah. thinking. Because if somebody buys it, then it's just. Then it's uh, in private house hands. That and, it's and, bought. And, okay. Yeah, and, you and lose social housing yeah, that all, way. Yeah. You've benefited one family in need. Right. But after that. But it then, ends there. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. Makes sense. So, what are activists demanding from the government? Well, this week we actually spoke to Lucia Delgado. She is uh, the spokesperson for an organization, PAH, Plataforma de Afectados per la Hipoteca. I suppose literally the platform for people affected by mortgages, but they actually deal with uh, not just people who have mortgages and get into trouble uh, with evictions and things, but also people who are struggling to pay the rent uh, okay. and other anything to do with housing needs, essentially. Okay, well, let's hear what she said. There are different definitions of social housing, but as Lucia Delgado explains, in Catalonia it's basically a type of housing that has a fixed price. Interestingly, until just a few years ago, practically all social housing here was for buying and selling, not renting. Social housing projects can be private developments built on publicly owned land or public developments. What housing activists managed to achieve from 2019, Lucia explains, is that the flats in public developments can't be sold, only rented. One figure that highlights for her how badly things have been done is that if Barcelona hadn't sold all the social housing created in the city since the 1970s and 80s, right now, 40% of the rental market would be social housing stock. Instead, it's just 1.7%. And what about the people in need of social housing? Is it a difficult process to apply? Well, no, according to Lucia. There are, of course, some criteria you have to meet, for example, in terms of income. But the problem is getting access to housing. There are waiting lists, thousands of requests, but there isn't any social housing, Lucia says. 
The latest figures she has are from before the pandemic. There were 36,000 people in Catalonia who had requested social housing, while 1.5% of properties for rent in Catalonia are public housing stock. The figures tell you everything, she says. There's a lot of demand, but little supply. And it's not that they haven't built much, she points out. They've built, but they've privatised. So what's to be done? Three things, Lucia says. One, that she mentioned earlier, that social homes that are built are for rent, so as to not lose public housing. Two, put forward bold measures, for example, that in private developments, 30% of the building is given over to accessible housing, a measure currently in place in Barcelona, but she says that could be extended throughout Catalonia. And the third is a long-standing demand of the PAH Housing Rights Group. There are homes, Lucia says. The problem is that they are in private hands, especially in the hands of what she calls vulture funds, having been sold to them by the banks. There are a load of homes that are shut, waiting for the next bubble, with anti-squatter doors and alarms, she says. We've already bailed out the banks with public money. We're not expecting that money back, but in return we'd like them to hand over these flats to the public housing stock. What we're demanding, Lucia says, is that these homes in the hands of the banks and vulture funds are transferred to local councils and to the Catalan government. This can be done. Thank you to Lucia Delgado for speaking with us. Okay, so where do we go from here? I mean, the situation is dire. It has been dire for a long time. What can be done? So the Catalan government has actually set a target of 10,000 social rental homes by 2026. And that includes the three strategies that Lorcan mentioned before, buying, building and taking possessions of property. Just last week, there was a meeting between the Catalan government and Barcelona City Council. They meet once a year. Obviously, Barcelona is by far the biggest uh, local council. And although there's housing problems elsewhere, it's like Barcelona gets all the headlines. Right. So after this meeting, uh, there was kind of two main things that came out of it. One was uh, building more health centers and the other one was on social housing. And what about, you know, places outside Barcelona? Uh, We mentioned Barcelona is clearly the hardest hit, but it's not unique to the Catalan capital. There are other towns and cities across Catalonia dealing with this. It's not specific to social housing, but like looking at the rent, it's gone up in Barcelona 62% in the last 10 years. But even on average across Catalonia, it's gone up 43% as well. So yeah, it's It's not... It's still a high number. It's not unique to to Barcelona by any sense. Um, The Catalan government, one of the things they're doing is... um, purchasing flats uh, from large landlords, these large property owners, which are basically any one or any company that owns more than five five or more flats. They've bought 385 like, th- like that, um, including 24 just last week in Salt, which is just outside Girona uh, in the north of uh, Catalonia, uh, and paying just 1.4 million euro, which for 24 Flats wow. is obviously you know a good price, yeah, good deal. and they have to invest another nine hundred eighty-five thousand uh, to renovate them over the next eighteen months, and then that'll be twenty-four new houses available for people uh, in need. Okay, 
That's in Salt. We've talked about Barcelona. And they've also bought houses in Reus, in Constanti, which is uh, near Tarragona, and in Villanova y la Geltru, which is just down the coast mm-hmm. from Barcelona as well. In total, in terms of houses that they want to purchase, their target is 1,500. And so far, they've got 692. So one thing to watch out for is the 30% rule, which refers to the requirement that 30% of newly built or renovated apartments have to be affordable housing. Not necessarily social housing, but they have to be affordable. Yes, but it hasn't been implemented yet. Okay. (laughs) New uh, Barcelona mayor, Jaume Culvoni, has said that housing is a priority, but he hasn't yet set a specific goal. It's time now for a Catalan phrase. What is it this week? Como a casa no hay res. All right. Como a casa no hay res. And it means... Lorcan? There's no place like home. Okay, pretty easy. Yeah. I mean, I guess it literally <laughs> means like home there is nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is literally, but, you know, most commonly heard as there's no place like home. So that's all we have time for today. Thank you, Lorcan and Leah, for your reporting. Thank you to John and Lucia for talking with us. We'll be back next Saturday with another episode of Filling the Sink. In the meantime, you can catch us on social media or email us at fillingthesink at acn.cat. On behalf of the entire team here at Catalan News, I'm Lucia Benavides, wishing you a wonderful weekend. Goodbye, ciao, adeo. Thank you.